Hello and welcome to Weird Reality. This is Hadley Thorne, author of the Tapestry of World series, and I'm happy to welcome you. Welcome you to our monthly roundtable discussion, where the Weird team gets together to talk about everything from government conspiracies, paranormal phenomena, urban legends, missing folklore, and all the strange things making headlines. Today's topic centers around the mysterious invasion of Antarctica in 1947 called Operation High Jump when Admiral Richard E. Byrd led 4,000 military troops from the U.S., Britain, and Australia on a mission that has become a favorite topic among conspiracy theorists. And it gets weird, guys. So I'm going to turn it over um, to my panelist, Alan Gamboa, and let him introduce everyone. Yeah, so, hey. Thank you, Abby. I've got the honor of introducing retired Lieutenant Colonel Brian Parker. He's written a fictionalized account of this Operation High Jump, uh, the book Grudge. It's a great sci-fi uh, thriller. Pick it up if you get the chance. Uh, I, I enjoyed it immensely. And Brian's the author of over 25-plus uh, standalone novels. Uh, he's one of the writers in the Five Roads to Texas series. Very prolific a very cool guy, very knowledgeable. I'm going to turn him over to introduce himself. Brian? Hey, thanks, Alan. Yeah, I, I mean, right there on the screen says Brian Parker. Uh, yeah, so I did 25 years in the Army. Uh, most of the time when I was writing, I, I would kind of write at night, you know, or before before uh, getting up or going to do PT in the morning. Um, since I retired last September, i um, been doing a lot of a lot of writing, you know, in the mornings and not so much at night anymore. Now I'm just watching movies. So just going down your path. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks well, for showing up. We're happy to have you. And by the way, I have been reading your book and it is very well researched and I'm enjoying it a lot. Thank you. Not to mention, I like the Rick James and all the stuff on the five roads of Texas. <laughs> Shh, nobody's supposed to know that one's me. <laughs> Oops. Spoiler. Too late. All right. Well, also in the house, we have Jeff Thompson, Scott Baker, and Finley Jones from the Weird Realities team. And I know that Jeff has his own experience and background with um, the sort of research. So, Jeff, would you like to tell us a little bit about your personal experience? I spent two glorious months down in Antarctica 31 years ago in 1990. Uh, that thing behind me is the uh, Coast Guard Icebreaker Polar Star, which is still uh, well past its service life, but it's still going down there every year as part of the ongoing Operation Deep Freeze, which is what I went down there under. They sure like these cool names. Operation High Jump, Operation Deep Freeze. Well, Deep Freeze makes sense. Cause it's freaking cold down there. <laughs> Operation two months of what? <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, I know Brian knows for sure. These the military has some cool code names for projects. <laughs> yeah, some, some really cool ones and some not so much. <laughs> did you ever get a chance words. in your career? Did you ever get a chance to name something besides your own? you know, name for it. When I was in Afghanistan, we wrote a couple op wars and, and like a bunch of us just like got together and like wrote, I like, just put stupid things together. Um, but a lot of times there's like, there is, uh, there's 
official generators of names that, are, that you have to put together. But for some things, you could be like, ah, it sounds cool, you know? Do you have one you could tell us? <laughs> or you want to tell us? To be honest with you, it's been like seven years since I was in Afghanistan, so I don't remember any of them. I, re I remember exactly one is because the, the, the name was so stupid. But it was Operation Ubiquitous Guard. I yeah, never even heard the word ubiquitous before. There's all sorts of crazy I, names. I, I don't know. Nothing cool like Phantom Fury or or, uh, or like Gothic Serpent. You know, nothing nothing cool like that, you know? No. <laughs> it's like Something you can't see in a hurry. Blue <laughs> Well, for those of you who are listening who are not familiar with Operation High Jump, that's when Admiral Byrd flew over the Antarctic and basically thought he saw a, a what would you say, a city with some ships and people, and it was very high technology, which I'm getting feedback from somebody, so I'm sorry if I sound strange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I watched, in, in preparation for this, I watched uh, like half a dozen of the different documentaries. Some of them were the straight um, historical docs. Some of them were the tinfoil hat kind of docs. And all of them said at best, um, in regards to the supposed Admiral Byrd's diary, that it was allegedly his or that um, one of them, only one of them said that it was verified, but never that it was authenticated. Uh, and there's reason to believe, a lot of reason to believe that it was just completely made up and wasn't even Admiral Byrd to begin with. Well, what was the, what was the, the, the mission of Operation High Jump anyway? High just Jump... So High Jump was uh, an expedition down to Antarctica. The, the stated purpose was to test um, how well troops could function in extreme cold weather. And, and Which, the cold weather gear. So. Yes. Yeah, the cold weather gear and the, the mechanics and the keeping their engines warm and the, the heating of the engine oil warm and all that kind of stuff. And that... Right off the bat, I should say that the thing about down there is that there's one thing that's far more dangerous than either aliens or Nazis, and that's Antarctica itself. That place can and will kill you. It's, well, in the first place, it's one of the world's largest deserts. Most people don't realize that. The South Pole gets less than one inch of precipitation a year. All that snow and ice that's that's there that, that gets blown around all the time every winter has been there for thousands of years. The coastline, which is where I was, gets fresh snow and a lot of it. But you go inland toward the South Pole and it's a desert. So, now, okay, but, Brian, how many... Uh, how many sailors were involved in this thing? Do you know? Uh, I think it was 4,000 in, in the actual um, operation itself. The first go-round of it. I mean, because there were, there were multiple iterations. Oh, yeah, okay. In, in, okay. in ship, yeah. Okay. So that's that a pretty was, large There was uh, at that time. Over a dozen ships, wasn't there? 
There like was like 13, a, I think. There's a carrier and a couple of destroyers and a couple of freighters, submarine, the icebreaker west wind. Uh, my information says that it involved 13 ships, 23 aircraft, and 4,700 men. Okay. Yeah. That's quite a movement for back in the late 40s, early 50s. Is it? I mean, they're just coming off of World War II. Yeah. It was, well, you're right. You're right. They do have an excess surplus. So, of, so you're right. No, you're I mean, right. I'm, not, I'm not defending it was weird as hell. No, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> no. But you're right. They have a surplus of uh, mm -hmm. bodies. Yeah. And, uh, and, and logistically, yeah. Uh, going down to Antarctica takes going down to Antarctica takes a lot of planning and a lot of logistics because you're going into literally the last frontier on the planet. Yeah, and I was one of the little videos I watched showed the what do you call it? The is it a cutter? Whatever the whatever broke the ice up to form the path. The icebreaker. Yeah, it's, it's a cutter west wind. A what? The west wind. Okay, so it broke up the path, but then the ships that came in behind it, the ice was so heavy and so thick that it closed them up in the ice anyway, and so it was a break up the ice, come back, rescue the ship, move a little bit, and then come back and rescue the ship because it kept the ice was just so thick and it was so cold. So here's my question. You said it's a desert. I know nothing about Antarctica. I've never been there, whatever. So I'm thinking about the show Ice Road Truckers. I don't know if you've watched it. These crazy people, they're in their 18-wheelers. They're going across this ice shelf to make these deliveries, are we talking about the same type of thing in the Antarctic? It's, it's a question of scale. Um, the reason the Coast Guard still goes down there every year and the reason the Coast Guard goes up to Thule Air Force Base in Greenland is literally the only way to ensure you get enough supplies down there for the people to last out the winter is to bring it in by freighters by ships in huge amounts. Um, and the only way to do that because of the ice is to send an icebreaker in front and break a trail through and hopefully the people go right behind them and if they get stuck, Turn the around. icebreaker comes back around and yeah. That's there. how it works. So aside from snowmobiles or whatever those machines are that they whatever the electronic whatever on the actual <laughs> I love the technical word you're using I mean I'm throwing them out there don't you love it well the, uh, unlike the ice road um, yeah. the ice down the ice that's on the ocean you end up with huge pressure ridges because the ice moves and you're talking about massive chunks of it. And when the when the currents move it together, it, it you get these huge pressure ridges and you're not getting a truck over that thing. There was one of the um, documentaries I watched showed them detonating some of the pressure ridges so they could get the trucks from where the ships tied up to their little America camp. It's just these things are huge. You're not getting a truck over it without. Yeah, I just like, watched Liam Neeson's new movie about being on the. <laughs> I just like the worst. Come, come and make me laugh. 
That movie has the worst soundtrack I've ever heard, and they're I know, it was and they're promoting that soundtrack. <laughs> it's, it's terrible. What movie is this? Ice Road. Yeah, uh, it. I think what they released it less than two weeks ago. Yeah, and we you. watched it, and it. But all the pressure ridges and all that was in it, and those are the kind of things that just freak me out. If I don't have a way out, I'm just not in it at all. And Liam Neeson didn't pee his pants in that one, so. No, he didn't. But that was the other thing. You couldn't be out in the air for longer than three or four minutes when they were filming because you'd freeze to death. So that's my next question. They're testing this cold weather gear. Well, that's why why they were down there at the time of year they were. Uh, When I was in McMurdo, which is across the bay from where Little America was, um it was in the 50s because it's right there on the coast so you have uh, you know warmer warmer water coming down and circulating around and um so yeah i mean it wasn't that bad but the weather is so unpredictable that for example the last day we were there it went from the 50s to the 20s in the space of like three hours Wow. We ended up we ended up having to uh, give a bunch of kiwis from uh, Scott Base a uh, boat ride up to Australia because they couldn't get any planes in. All right, well, let's get back on to the topic. <laughs> All this ice road trucker stuff. I'm gonna sorry. Soundtrack ever though. Okay, <laughs> rabbit hole number one. <laughs> hey, Scott hasn't blinked in 10 minutes Yeah, for those of you at home Keeping score, that was number one <laughs> Take a drink um, <laughs> Yes, ma'am so, so, in my Stuff that I found was that Bird had three trips To the Antarctic Or the Arctic expeditions that he did The first one was well, 28 to 30. The second was 34. And he was a solo. Did anyone understand if he was just him? I mean, well, he remained behind. He spent five months in the underground because they had to, they had to build the original um, facilities under the ice to protect it from the wind and the, the nastiness. And he ended up spending five months down there by himself. Hmm. That would seems like that would do something to you. Oh yeah, I think so. Well, he had carbon monoxide poisoning, mm-hmm. and he they he had they they said that he was saying weird sign off stuff like "Well, cheerio," <laughs> and it wasn't his normal self. So they um, launched two failed rescue missions before they actually were successful in retrieving him. So well, that's that's why it's so dangerous down there. Yeah, it's the the weather is so unpredictable. It's you flip a coin, you might make it down there, you might not. Well, I was just curious if that might have led to some of the things that he saw at a later date, mm-hmm. if he had some issues. Assuming he saw them, yeah, that's yeah. possible. Well, he saw he saw. I mean, mm-hmm. there there is a diary that's attributed to him that says he saw them. Brian, what do you he, think? 
he did give that interview to a, a Chilean newspaper that said that they had that they fought UFOs during Operation High Jump. Mm -hmm. um, that that was that was. I hadn't I hadn't thought about it wasn't actually him giving the interview, but I mean it was allegedly him giving the interview, and and the DoD came back and said, uh, well whatever it was at the time I'm, I'm not, it wasn't DoD, um, but they they came back and said hey you you're not allowed to give interviews anymore, <laughs> and then. And then a few a few years later, you know, he he died, you know, on a on a on a boating expedition, you know, maybe under some some mysterious circumstances, yeah. So so there's that. I mean, because he did give an interview, you know, like I said, allegedly it was it was him that gave the interview. How old was he at the time of the interview? I mean, could he have just been going senile? He was he was up there. He was he was old. He was old before he went down in fifty six, fifty seven. Well, yeah, I think, I, mean, he was I think he died when he was what sixty eight. Sixty eight. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he, that's not he old. Had, he had he had just he had just gone down to Antarctica and only ended up spending like three weeks there, and then he went back up and died a year later. Yeah. Well, he's a fascinating individual. Which yes, he is. I did not know that um, he was he was one of the people who made the first non-stop fly, uh, non flight from New York to Paris behind Lindbergh. Lindbergh won the race, but um, Admiral Byrd was one of the people who flew that. Yes, he was. Wasn't he also one of the guys that, that made the, the trip to the South Pole? Yes. Yes. Well, he, early, he, early flew, on. he flew over it. I don't know that he... Did the dog sled thing like Scott and Admonson and those guys? But I know he flew over it. Right, he was the first one to have done that. He was fast. He was what the youngest admiral ever appointed, like and, thirty. Yeah, like and, thirty, I think. And he was one of three that jumped being a captain in order to be an admiral. Which I guess it might be because did he get promoted during one of the wars? I, I I I think it had to do with his with his you know big explorer guy stuff because he was you know the first the first one to do all sorts of stuff up in the Arctic the first one to do all sorts of stuff down in Antarctica and they're like dude you're an admiral now yeah he was more of that kind of yeah guy than actual you know like Nimitz or right he wasn't really a wartime admiral he was right. Just, yeah. But he served during two war well, excuse me, two world wars. <clears throat> yes, he did. I don't think he I don't, I'm not sure he ever saw combat though. Yeah. I, not that I know of. No. Yeah, I don't Well, according to conspiracy theorists, he did when they <laughs> the UFO people. <laughs> Just read Brian's book. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Brian's conspiracy theorist, but his book is a fantasy. Let me get that out there. I don't want people to think, hey, Again. you know, I'm reading the Philadelphia experiment. You know, that's right. Yeah. Well, well, well plus, plus, there were Nazis involved. Don't forget the Nazis. Well, you're talking yeah. about, well, the Philadelphia experiment or the the whole Operation High Jump, you know, in the, the background jump. on that. High Jump. Right. Okay. I mean, because there there is a, a whole lot of like inc inconsistencies, um, like the whole the whole the the two different U boats that that went down to Argentina. Uh, which was a traditional jumping off point 
you know, four expeditions to to uh, to Antarctica, um, and they showed up after the war. You know, none of the sailors had had their 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 pay stubs, and they didn't have any of their personal records. And the the deck guns had been shoved off so that they were they were lighter and faster. And it's like, well, why did these things show up? You know, two months after the end of the war, and another one showed up uh, a few months after that as well. Um, what had they been doing? You know, and even before that, before World War II started, Goring, the the chief of the of the the Nazi Air Force, uh, the the Luftwaffe, he had gone and led expeditions to Antarctica for the for the the Nazi for Hitler. You know, what is the chief of the Luftwaffe doing doing down in Antarctica? You know, so I mean, there's just a whole lot of like weird inconsistencies. You know, historical stuff that is historical facts. You know, that it's just like, well, what's going on? You know. So. Uh, as as I understand it, the submarines, the U-boats originally went down there because of uh, the whaling oil. There's a lot of there's a lot of whaling going on down there, <clears throat> and Argentina was heavily involved in that, particularly around the Falklands, which is why the British got involved. Well, that was in '38 and '39. Right. That the Germans sent the, the ships down to take part of the whaling. And right. the British, after the war broke out, the British didn't like having the Germans close by because they were afraid of raiders. Right. So they made sure that the, that whole area was closed off. Um, the, the two U-boats, 977 and 530, the conspiracy theory from that Hungarian journalist, Sazbo, was that they took either Hitler or Hitler's ashes and the Nazi bigwigs. And he makes the claim that it only took a month. They both departed Germany in early May and didn't arrive until July and August. So what did they do the other time? And that is the whole conspiracy theory. They went down to Antarctica. They helped set up the underground base. Hitler was setting up his Fourth Reich. Then they returned to Argentina. and and surrendered. That makes sense to me. I, I watched Hunting Hitler. <laughs> oh, Tim Kennedy was, was on the job there, man. Oh, God, I hated that show. And Bob Bear, of all people, did it. He's such a business <laughs> ass. <laughs> I see some CIA rivalry there. Ooh. No, no rivalry, because if you read Bob Bear's book, he single-handedly won the war in Afghanistan. So. <laughs> of course he did. Yeah. Uh, rabbit hole number two. Yeah. <laughs> number two. For those of you counting at home. Take a drink. Oh, yeah. But one of the things that blows that theory apart is, <laughs> as Finley was saying earlier, the ice is so thick down there in May and like from May to July that there's no way. There's no way. Yeah, there's no way. I mean, these weren't, you know, these weren't nuclear subs made to pop, pop through the surface. Right. These were, you know, submersibles. They were diesel run. They had to come up for air. There was no way they were going to get through the ice. But yeah, it started. Sazbo came out with this theory and then it's in July 45 and it's been going on strong since. Uh, yeah, the problem with Sosmo's book is that is that there's absolutely no evidence for it whatsoever. No, none. Well, what what research did you do, Brian, for your book? As far as uh, you know? literally internet stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why not? Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's twenty. 
15 or 16 whenever I wrote the book. Um, so, I mean, really just a lot of internet stuff. And I, I, I did go to a lot of message boards and like talk with some like legit lunatics um, that, that <laughs> like, actually think that, that there's stuff down there, you know, I mean, these, these are the type of people that think there's a Nazi base on the moon, you know, but it was interesting to kind of see how they thought. Um, mm -hmm. and, and then that's, that's kind of sprinkled in throughout the, the story is that sort of stuff. And, and like, it's like, and in, in, in actually in the book, I actually use Otto Skorzynski, the, the most deadly, dangerous man in Europe, um, right. who who went to the who who was put on trial at the Hague. He escaped. You know, he didn't didn't get hung. He escaped, and then ended up working for the Mossad uh, from Israel as a, as a German. And then he ended up, you know, being uh, Eva Peron's like bodyguard down in Ooh. Argentina. So yeah, he, that's a story. He, he was he was that's a legit. A story. He was a so, legit like, badass. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's just crazy. You know, he, didn't didn't he uh, rescue Mussolini? Yes, they rescued Mussolini. And that's where he got the nickname, uh, the most dangerous man in Europe. So, okay. uh, what's his the name? Because I want to read it and phone him later. <laughs> uh, Otto Scorzani. Scorzani. He's, he's a really, really crazy dude. Okay. Awesome. Well, you know, I, I watched that documentary movie, Iron Sky, and then Iron yeah. Sky 2. And now. Oh yeah! Have any of you seen that? That's Oscar just... winning documentary. I love it when you called it documentary. That that movie is so funny. <laughs> oh my gosh! Now there is there is, um, legitimate reasoning behind the possibility that High Jump went down there to check on the nazi base because in the, in the waning days of the, the second world war in 45 there was a lot of rumors and concern within uh the allied command that the uh, ss was going to create an alpine redoubt and continue the war from there it's not too much of a stretch to think that, well, maybe the base down in Antarctica was another place they could do that from. So it's, I mean, there's some rationale behind it. I don't buy it. Well, but even if, even if it was true, even if Hitler was down there, how would they get out of Antarctica and invade? In their, their <laughs> UFOs, in their UFO ships. That they, <laughs> right. That's, a spoiler, that's a spoiler from his book, guys. And you had <laughs> the UFOs. The Nazis didn't. And just especially during the Antarctic winter. I mean, this big-ass thing. We wouldn't even go down there that time of year in this thing. Yeah. And it's designed for it. So. Okay, now, there's a discrepancy on the uh, amount of casualties, too, though. Right? That yeah. Martin Mariner oh. crashed. There were four. Three, okay, three from that, and then one other guy. It, yeah, he, he, on the ship or something, right? He got crushed unloading or something, something like that. Uh, yeah. But I, I was curious because I've read other things, and you know they want to push that there were more casualties. There were ships sunk. There were planes. Now there were, were hidden. Yeah. <laughs> there yeah. was there was a plane crash. Yeah, it was at Martin Mariner, right? right. And, there was there was a plane crash. There was a helicopter crash. Hmm. Crashed into the water right off the ship. It almost made it back to the aircraft carrier, but ended up in the drink. Um, and 
uh, yeah, three. There were there were three casualties from the from the aircraft crash, and one guy, one of the survivors, was so badly injured that they had to amputate both his legs. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, man, it's it's dangerous as hell down there. There's mm-hmm. there's a reason there haven't been a whole lot of people going down there because there aren't a whole lot of people that are that insane. Because I mean that. that that place is, you know, that's that's the edge right there. So one of the things that I did find in the research again was um, comments about the quick turnaround of the expedition, that they went up there and came back pretty quick. And speculation was that it was a failed mission. So what did y'all think about that? Oh, shit. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Uh, frog in my throat. Um, well, as I as I said at the beginning of this thing, we went down there. We got down there just after the first of the year, um, and we stayed until like the second or third of March. And when we left, we had to give a bunch of the the New Zealanders from Scott Base a boat ride back up to Australia because the weather conditions were so bad. Well, it was even worse in 46 and 47. And while the, the submarine that went down with them, they had, had actually had to turn back because it kept getting stuck and kept getting damaged. And there was no way it was going to make it all the way to Little America without sinking. So the West Wind escorted it back out to the, the ice edge. And while it was doing that, the other ships got stuck and a number of them sprung leaks because of the pressure all the ice was putting on their hulls. So that stuff did happen. Plus, yeah. I mean, if if it had happened, somebody would have taught, somebody would have noticed. Wait a minute, this ship went down; it never came back. I've never heard any stories about missing aircraft carriers. Somebody would have talked about it, other than Admiral Byrd. And yes. even if the, and if the Nazis used UFOs, where are they? If they had such great technology, why don't you know, why are they it? hiding them? And, and They're on the moon. Did, and, and why did we even bother dealing? <laughs> if, if they had that kind of attack, why did we even bother dealing with Werner von Braun? Why didn't we just take flying saucers to the moon instead of rockets? You know. But you, you also got to remember the, the time frame this is. This is right after World War II, getting ready to roll. Well, we didn't know at the time, but getting ready to roll into Korea. You know, the Reds and stopping communism and all that yeah. stuff. And it was very much, very, everything was as a conspiracy. And the, the, the Reds yeah. were coming to get you, you know, and, yep. and my neighbor my neighbor might be a spy. You know, so that, that was kind of the, the, the time frame of all this stuff. Um, and then in addition to, to what you said, Scott, was you wouldn't, you wouldn't know, things would go missing and not know about it. At the end of the war, at the end of the war, there was stuff just getting like sunk all over the place. You know, just like not even decommissioned, just like literally just like poking a hole in and yeah. sinking it to the bottom of the ocean. So, if they took like un, like supposedly sunk boats, you know, on this expedition, that could be that could be you know, a a way. But also, I mean, look in look in the 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 late forties and fifties where we had battalions and battalions of Marines and soldiers who. Sat in the desert and watched watched nuclear explosions, and then had a fifty year you know fifty year silence on them. They yeah. didn't say they didn't say a damn thing until the nineties. My you know? father, my father was one of those. 
Yeah, and it's, I mean, you that's sworn to secrecy, and these guys, like, took it seriously. So, I mean. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was, he was down in Fort Bliss, Texas, and they took himself and uh, a company of his guys or squad or whatever, however many guys it was. I think he witnessed two detonations, possibly three. I think it was only two that I mean, there's there's a reason why the the during the the Cold War, we knew hey, you face towards the blast with your head down. That's because we we tested it on our own guys. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. Well, well, my, but yeah, my dad passed away from effects of Agent Orange. You know, mm-hmm. when he was he was loading canisters of it over there in Vietnam. Yep. You know, so you know, playing devil's advocate, who's to say there wasn't a ship loss there? You know. Yeah, well, I think there was, crazy. but it's possible. The problem you know? with that is when they departed from the United States, there was a lot of hoopla about it because they were going down to Antarctica. This was right. the last great frontier. And you know that there were press accounts of every last one of the ships that were involved. Unless ships came from another port. Secretly, like we've got a mission, of course, or wherever. Well, all I've got to say is, is global warming is going to solve this mystery for us once and for all. <laughs> well, that's that's the funny thing is, I was watching some some weird ass show on at the lake. We were we were at the lake just hanging out, and like I think my <laughs> infant was sleeping at the time. You know, I couldn't get up, so it was just what was ever was on TV. And there was this show, and it showed like what looked like kind of like a hatch in the side of a mountain. Um, in Antarctica, and that's kind of what really got this whole, you know, yes. looking into it started for me. You know, and I don't even remember what the the show was. I mean, it's it's just one yeah, of those. But it weird... was like a giant. It was like a giant cave with a, a circular looking thing. Yeah. I've got yeah. a picture of it. I've got a picture of it. It's not a good picture. Let me see if I can load it. Well, what was it? Did anybody go and go open it up? Well, no. You're <laughs> supposed to figure it out yourself. Yeah, that's what all of these shows are, are about. You know, it's like, yeah. like yeah. This, See, there's, this is there's, you make your own, you make your own, you know, conspiracy theory. There's, there's <laughs> this, there's this stuff down in Antarctica, in, in Antarctica called wind, and it moves at more than a hundred miles an hour. Wind plus snow and ice equals erosion. Have you seen, you know, Monument Valley? <laughs> Have you seen the Grand Canyon? I mean. Oh, yeah. I've seen erosion. Uh, We lived in the Redwoods for 26 years. Oh, yeah. Erosion. Yeah. Well, Yosemite. That's, I mean, it it, it eroded into the shape we see it now. And you you throw 100 mile an hour winds down on that and, well, (laughs) all sorts of weird stuff is going to come up. Yep. Eventually well, Atlantis, right? Exactly. Of course it is. <laughs> well, I love this stuff. I, I, and Brian is a prime example, and he's the first person who I've seen do it. But as an, well, no, as an author and a writer and someone who likes to figure out what you saw him do. Yeah, I'm like, wait a minute. No, it's, it's the fact that you took something that is a historical fact. There's a lot of weird stuff around it and you took it and made a story out of it mm-hmm. and i love that and i think that's that's the purpose of weird realities is finding people who who take that sort of stuff and, and get creative with it mm-hmm. and 
I love it. I enjoyed the story because this is one of those. It just my mind just can go so many places with this mm -hmm. because you got Hitler, you got UFOs, little green men, and it's just crazy. Also, the Middle Earth. Yeah, yeah, we haven't even gotten to the hollow hollow earth theory yet. Um that's interesting all on its own. There was there was a a a book by one of the big five publishers, and I forget the author's name now. Um it was either the fifth or sixth extinction. And I'm I'm just like I'm just pulling it's it's anyway, it's one of these like theories, you know, like this super secret government agency, you know, that they they um they they do all these missions all the time and one of them they go down to antarctica and that's where you know they find this like this this caverns you know with like this this time suspended you know and and, and instead of like dna or rna they have xna and and the, the creatures that are down there it's, it's actually a really good book i wish i could remember the, the name of the author um this, it's either fifth or sixth extinction i can't remember it's one of the two there was there was one i read i forget the name of it looked like you there's and there were like two portals. One was in the rock in Gibraltar, and the other one was down in Antarctica. And it was some it was an adventure story, flipping between the two. It might have even been Clyde Custler. I'm not sure about that though. Like a choose your own adventure, flipping between them. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, Antarctica is 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 the perfect place. I mean, you remember at back. Uh, Back in the 1800s and early 1900s, Africa was, you know, you had Tarzan, you had the quartermass stuff, you had the King Solomon's mines, and because that was the great unknown. Well, right now, the great unknown is Antarctica. So there's all sorts of just, it's just it's perfect fodder for it. There is. is the Sixth Extinction and Unnatural History by Elizabeth Colbert. No, no, it's oh, that one. I'm trying to see if, if I even have it on my shelf here. I don't know. I usually usually purge you know, after I'm done reading something, <laughs> but but yeah, it's Jeff Thompson. That's me. Is it Jeff Long? Is it Jeff Long? I don't know. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Let me Google. The one where they Google. They repel down there, and they're like devils or something. The life forms. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of ge there's a there's there's a lot of geographical formations down there with with killer names. That, that people there's there's one that's not too far from McMurdo called the Terror Rift. I've always thought that was such a cool name. That yeah. I've, I've got to write a story about it. I have no idea what the story's about, but Terror Rift is a cool title, so it's got to be done. Oh, well, yeah. Well, James that, Rollins. James yeah. Rollins. There you Ryan. go. Yeah. Yeah, that, that guy's, I like his stuff. Yeah. There's so many different mythologies, though, that do talk about like an inner world, but I always thought it was symbolic. But some of the stuff with all this is talking about like, in Buddhism, there's this city or the Agartha. Agartha. And then it, it ties into, um, was it Shambhala? And then I saw something about you can't fly over Tibet. And why can't we fly over Tibet? So I don't know. It's, there's so many, so many different ways I can make a story out of all that to make it make sense to me. Yeah. 
doesn't make but, it true, but no, but that's, <laughs> but that's where that's where art comes from. That's yeah, true. writing writing is just like poker. You have a chip and a chair, you're good to go. That's yep. it. <laughs> that's it. Until you lose it. Yeah. Well, you know, Nazis and uh, space aliens and stuff. That's great. That's that's just natural story. Oh yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, because totally made up, un, un, you know, unprovable. Well, it's pro unpro it's provable. But <laughs> yeah. Well, and there is there, there is uh, there's actual photographic evidence of the um, snow-free area with lakes that they found. They bird flew over, and other guys flew over. They have photographic evidence of it. So, you know, the tinfoil hat people think that that's you know this is. Don't talk about the tinfoil hat people because they they are our people. Okay, well, I need that. <laughs> they're the people. Fine, they're the people fine, buying our books. The fine people who believe in such things, um, you know, think that this is. Uh, like Shangri-La down there or some, some great thing. And well, there's a more mundane explanation for it, which is geothermal activity. Okay, there, but let me throw that, this at you. All right. what, what about, was it in Cambodia or Vietnam where they found that underground um, cave system that had its own, um, what was it? It had its own atmosphere. It had, you know, Rainstorms is huge. Y'all have heard of it, I'm sure. I'm not I've the only one. Heard of it, but I can't remember where. I think it's in Vietnam. But you have stuff like that that is in the earth. I mean, there's a reason why these cultures have developed this belief. Well, there's not. It's possible that there's like that livable spaces beneath the earth, but with plausible explanations. I I think I'm with scientific explanation. Why they're I mean, there. you couldn't you couldn't have a middle earth. I mean, the farther down you went, the pressure would just get so great. Yeah. Well, and you couldn't have a hollow earth either, because no. because yeah. we wouldn't we wouldn't have our our uh, electromagnet whatever it's called the magnetosphere, and we wouldn't have that without the core of the earth being there. So it can't be hollow. But there no, are I caverns that are huge. I did do my research on that. I watched King Kong versus Godzilla, and they went perfect. Billion dollar ships yeah. they took down there, and hey, I've seen Journey to the Center of the Earth probably five times, man. There you go. All you they needed the was old, a rope. The old classic, old yeah. people, nineteen fifty. <laughs> so there's something there. <laughs> All See, the writers can't be wrong. I love dying in sky too. When they go down and it's run by reptilians and a reptilian Hitler was riding a T-Rex named Blondie. I mean, that, that was just such a warped mind. I admired it. <laughs> that, was someone that, was, <laughs> that was someone that was told, write whatever you want. We got the yeah. CGI budget, no yeah. matter how crappy it looks. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, they, so many people paid for that movie. If you pay like a certain amount, and flew to the studio. You could got you could have gotten eaten by Blondie. <laughs> wow! People were shoving out thousands and thousands of dollars just to be have a like a brief scene in the movie. I wish I had the money. Well, well I, I, one, that. one of the I things that are free. 
One of the things that I read was that we've only drilled into the earth like eight miles and that it became so hot that they couldn't go any further. Was that in Russia? Probably. They do all the weird stuff in Russia. They got that super deep. It's abandoned now. Well, I mean, eight, eight miles is pretty far. And that's, 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 a coming of, in. that's a hell of a lot of pipe. But see, yeah, that's what she said. But... <laughs> But, you had to go there, didn't you? But with that Russian hole, they hear he's still screams, doing it. They, they they hear all kinds of stuff coming out of it. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> they hear the hill. They're probably just part, probably a bunch of Russians down there just partying, you know. I don't know. Vodka is like water to them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and vodka doing that dance. Yep. <laughs> their, their secret clubhouse down below. They're yeah. dancing on the uh, uh, Nazi spaceships down there that were abandoned. <laughs> of course they are. Uh, it, it, that's a good thing about this stuff, though. It's It's fun, you know. Uh, oh, it, 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 it's 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 like um, a, a crop with supercharged fertilizer. Yeah, there's just so much, so many possibilities down there that that to do something like Brian did is great because you yeah. actually did some research. You didn't just pull it out of your butt. Ninety-five like, percent of it. <laughs> Well, that's because you're, you're a fiction writer. Yeah. That's your job. You know, when he was talking to us about you know, he's getting ready to put this out, I thought, well, that's a that's a pretty cool concept. You know, it's something I like to read. I think I told Brian that. You know, yeah. and of course, of course, Lundy was like Nazis. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have bad guys in dark suits. <laughs> modern, day Nazis. Nazis. modern day Nazis, Nazis yeah. make the best bad guys. They're going to side with them. I mean, Nazis they were like the Russians. prototypical bad guy. I mean, like legit, they were yep. evil as can be. I mean, yeah. They, you, had, you, had you, even, they had the evil villain costumes too. Yes, they, they looked did. so yeah. good. Yes, they they love their uniforms. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. And you can, well, you can and say, I'm, I'm going to go there and I'm sorry, but. Have you noticed a distinct um, relation between the Nazi uniforms and the Star Wars? Um, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's that's oh, purposeful. Yeah, yeah. Because so. evil villains. They right. they went with the British accent though instead of the uh, German accents. <laughs> they didn't want to be too uh, hit you over the head with a hammer. <laughs> well, that's, that's because that's because the British accent sounds more intelligent. Yeah, it, it, I mean, if you you know. Some you know Billy Bob going, hey Gene, how you doing? Hey, <laughs> they should to, oh hello, how are you? <laughs> I had a I had a British friend who used to get so mad, like when you do the Mummy series, like the uh, Scorpion King, even before Britain was a country, and all the bad guys spoke with a British accent. <laughs> Naturally, well, you any any World War Two movie, yeah, the the, the Nazis speak with. The British accent somehow. Yeah. I don't know how that happens, but yeah. they, they all went to Oxford. Unless you, unless you got an actual German actor, you know, to play. Yes. And there was a few of those in the seventies, sixties that you know yeah. were actually probably in the German army. You know, 
Exactly. But, but and they probably know about the spaceships, but they took it with them to their graves. So. That's right. So let me ask y'all, what do you think happened with Hitler? Do you think that he really died in the bunker with the cyanide? Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was, was oh yeah. Hundred percent. Now what about how does Argentina fit into the picture? Well, there are a lot of there are a lot of German immigrants down there to begin with. Mm -hmm. And uh, Peron was a big supporter of the Third Reich. So, and especially the Third Reich's money. So, I mean, it makes sense. It wasn't just Argentina, though. It was just Montevideo had a bunch of them. Ecuador had a bunch of them. I mean, Belize was founded by Confederates with all the gold, right? <laughs> I mean, all the Nazis that escaped went to Argentina. Um Oh God, I can't think. Oh, um, Mengele made it down there. Um, the guy that was kidnapped by the Mossad, I can't remember his name right now. Um, um, in the 1960s. Yeah. But, but I mean, Bob Bear notwithstanding, there's no way Adolf Hitler in his physical condition could have got out of Berlin surrounded by the Soviets. You mean Tim and Kennedy they, lied to me. I'm going to stop <laughs> following him on Facebook. Dad, <laughs> And the Soviets even admitted decades later that they had found the body, they had found the evidence, they burnt the bodies, but they never wanted to admit it because they always wanted to be able to hold over the West. Oh, well, maybe you have Hitler. Yeah, Is that he, one of the CIA secrets you're telling? No. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, well, like there was one book supposedly written by Hans Kamla, who was the scientific chief behind everything. No, the supposed nuclear program, the, the uh, missile program. <clears throat> and it was talking about how they faked Hitler's death. They snuck him out in late April. Well, it turned out it was Kamala's diaries as dictated to CIA officers. It was given <laughs> to an, an anonymous source who published it without any references on Amazon. Amazing. Yes. And excuse my language, but I'm going to go there. Can you imagine the cluster fuck that would exist today if they had as much fake news as we do? Oh, God. I know. Good, Hadley. There's your next book. <laughs> There's your next book, guys. I'm taking notes. Somebody possess Hadley? Holy smoke. <laughs> Hadley gets salty. <laughs> All righty then. Would that be considered a rabbit hole or just? Yeah, uh... it, would. <laughs> it would. Well, I would Bye. like to think he escaped in a submarine and then died. He was going to die shortly anyway. He wasn't going to yeah. live more than a year or more. Yeah. I want something worse to have happened to him. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I want, you know, them to have, I want Mossad to have found him 20 years later and. Yeah, done terrible things to him. Well, like what happened to Mussolini. Yes, they, I mean yeah. he. They, they, the partisans found him and they beat him to death, and then they strung him up by his feet and threw rocks at him, and that was fitting. Yeah, imagine if some partisan group got a hold of old Adolf. Oh yeah, that would have been horrible. You know, 
I know it's sad to think that he finally got the last laugh because uh, 75 years later, we're still talking about the conspiracy theories <laughs> that he made it out. Yeah. That he's in Argentina somewhere. But yeah, it's, but like, it's the like same. He, go ahead. Go ahead, Hallie. I was going to say it's the same with um, the Russian family. The What were they? Uh, the Romanovs? Romanovs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's so much more interesting to think that one of them lived. Well, especially for people like us, it's a better story. So naturally, we're going to gravitate toward it. Yeah. Well, you know, Hitler did one thing. He single-handedly killed the name Adolf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't see a lot of people naming their kid Adolf these days. No. no. And he ended that trend with the mustache, too. Yeah. That's true. Oh, well, no, it's alive and well in the U.S. military. Uh -oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what you're authorized. <laughs> yeah. I, when I was about 13 years old, when I was in Everett, there was this park theater we used to go to. I swear to God, there was an old guy that looked and dressed like Adolf Hitler was a civilian. He had the coat, he had the hat, he had the mustache. He was the same age. And he always sat in the theater during the matinees in the far side by himself. My friends and I always wondered, was it him? There he who is. Would for, who would He's look on the for East him Coast. In, yeah, who would look for him in Everett, Massachusetts? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that you have the buildup of these of these people and the atrocities that they've committed, and it's hard to believe that it can be over in just a second and to let it go, that we want to hold on to it. We want to build upon that story because, again, it, it is so – hard to believe that it can just be gone in a well, second. Well, something that a lot of people don't really know even is there there was an insurgency in, in Germany after World War II. That's why we had a large, there was still a lot of fighting going on. Um, I mean, not like crazy insurgency like you think of in like, like Iraq in 2004, 2007, but but I mean, there was definitely an insurgency with, with German troops, former German troops and some of the German population too. <coughs> Well, to bring it back to Antarctica. Circle back. Circle back to that. There was there was the rumor that part of the part of the reason behind high jump was to go down and to take out the German base. And there there were you know speculation that they went down there and had a great battle battle with the Nazis and they won. Well, okay, this is nineteen forty seven. Two years after the war, hostilities are over. We're no longer at war with Germany. If we actually went down there and killed a bunch of Germans, how much of an international incident would that have been? But did it, they, but they didn't know the Germans were there, right? No, they well, they, they knew they had been there. That's a conspiracy theory. That, yeah. Oh, I got you. Okay. Yeah. I follow. It, well, and, and, and we talked about this before the show. But but the United States had three high atmosphere uh, nuclear detonations. You know, over over I think it was yeah. Modland, but part part of uh, Antarctica, over a specific place. Um, and again, I, I am absolutely not a conspiracy theory, theorist. But you know, we have multiple testing locations that we that we were doing things. You know, why did we why do we have to do that down there in Antarctica? Uh, Totally on the, you can find this on the internet side, 
uh, whenever you detonate a, a nuclear weapon at, at high altitudes, uh, quick quick bursts of radiation will go down, kill kill people within a certain radius, um, and then it leaves the infrastructure intact. So there's, well, there's yeah, that. That's, that's <laughs> exactly why I think it's 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 horse pucking. Exactly. 100%. Because I, I'm just, again, I'm playing it, devil's advocate. Right. It supposedly happened uh, around 1957, something, something like now, that. Well, uh, McMurdo Station's been there since '56. South Pole Station's been there since about that time. If you detonated three nukes in the atmosphere above Antarctica, there'd have been people glowing down there, man. Well, didn't they call uh, us and hey, you guys might want to... Absolutely, depends on what it was. And well, I also, if I remember from what I read, the nearest detonation was 2,800 miles from Antarctica. North of Antarctica, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So... Now, was that's, it modern, nice about, about, that's more likely. That's much more likely. See, that's the great thing about a conspiracy theory. You can't disprove it. <laughs> you well, can't you know, come out. You can't come out and say, "Here's actual evidence that the Nazis weren't building a UFO base." So well, it yeah, but, forever. But logically, you're never asked to prove a negative. I know, and they can't prove it. It happened. They just say, "Well, allegedly, is it possible that? Could it be that?" Well, and people well, will be no, they won't. It's those right. damn guys in the CIA that cover it up. <laughs> well, <laughs> speaking of that, I saw uh, there was a parade in Springfield, Missouri, like last week or two weeks ago. You know, the birds aren't real, and they're all they're all CIA CIA spy, spies. Shout, shout out to where in the fault because they don't think birds are real. And that was a, that was a legit parade thing that was happening in my. Uh, I'll, the, I'll the, tell the you, near my hometown. The CIA museum has. Dragonfly drones with little cameras in them. I mean, they admit this, and they used to fly them into enemy territory. That because who's gonna, you know, bother with a dragonfly? I don't know how effective they were, but so if you see that bird looking, at, if you see a bird looking in the window when you're doing something you shouldn't, stop. So, so what 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 then would bird shit be? Is that just like tagging advice? It's oh, a tracking yeah, device. We know oh, where to send the cruise missile. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the blue dye whenever people rob a bank, right? <laughs> it must be, of course. There is a theory for everything. Hell yes. There are well, theories for the theories. Yeah. From the internet has actually helped, helped to bring everyone together. You know, people <laughs> have all these like weird little things and they, they start building upon yeah. each other and God bless technology. Oh yeah, amen. So, well, just, go ahead. One of the things that I did read was that um, America wanted to establish like a foothold in Antarctica, and I was thinking, well, that would make sense because after Pearl Harbor, we were very concerned about our security. So, it does make sense for whatever reason for us to have gone and done the things to establish a foothold because of that fear. You know, we were snuck up on. People were scared at that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you know, even, even beyond that, there are, there are all sorts of natural resources down there. Huge stories it's, of, of it's natural the resources. the only reason China is interested in Africa. They, mm -hmm. they don't care about their human, humanitarian efforts. It's all those resources. 
When was the yeah. treaty signed that sort of divvied up? That was like in the 60s, I think. Okay. Early 60s, it was ADA. Yeah, sometime around there. D.A. Roberts, the man, the myth. There's my friend. It was the craziest damn thing I ever saw. They sure are tasty, though. <laughs> well, no, my, my personal favorite, my personal favorite is Flatter. That that one because the, the 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 proponents of that theory will give you all sorts of mathematical data that proves the Earth is flat. Yes. Except for the fact that it isn't. <laughs> if the earth was flat, cats would have knocked everything off it by now. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, I also love the fact that it says on the Flat Earth Society, we have we have chapters around the globe. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> around. It make, it, it, it's one of those things like, do they actually really believe this or they just they just want to belong to something? Uh, who knows? Who knows? Hey, that you know. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot, a few people like that that are in these groups that, yeah, you know, you see that with terrorist them. groups. Yeah, <laughs> I really don't believe it, but I'm gonna hang out with Joe here. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I'm gonna have to put a disclaimer on this episode. <laughs> hey, hey, folks, you know we're here. To, we're here to have fun. It's it's much more. It's it's much better to have a debate than it is an argument. Yes. You guys, everybody's entitled to their own opinion. Everybody's entitled to their own theory. We're just expressing our own. We don't mean to, you know, talk down about people or, you know. Oh, I'm sorry. That's all I do. Sorry. Some of us are bastards and some of us aren't. So, <laughs> bottom line is, we're here to have fun. And that's what we're doing here. So if we're offending anybody. We are just creative people armed with imaginations who like to have a good time. Yes, we are. Yes. And buy my book. Buy <laughs> <laughs> our, our book. Leave a review. <laughs> I will say that Brian Parker's got some great books and that you should totally check them out. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm getting grudge tonight. That sounds like a fantastic read. That's fun. I picked it up this fun. morning. Okay. It's, it's fun. Thanks. But I'm going to say he he had the when Alan told me which one of the five rows to Texas stories that he wrote, it was the one I liked the best. <laughs> you said that first that first uh, chapter there. Well, I mean, yeah, I, you, I you hooked, you hooked me with the bathroom with the shower scene. I yeah. love that was, that was classic. That was classic and may or may not have been like it's something that's happening in real life to me. <laughs> Allegedly. I said, Brian wrote that. Brian wrote that. And you know what's funny? Is a lot of people think Lundy wrote that. Yeah. I did. I thought it was Lundy. And I really did. And that's Brian's style is completely different than John's style. I mean, oh. all of us actually, the five of us, actually, our writing styles are all different, you know? Mm -hmm. And I always thought that was funny when people were, you know, Somebody wrote a review saying, oh, yeah, Lundy hits a homer again, you know, or whatever. And they, they like, think that it's a lot, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> and I love even, John. I even love on, John. Like, like, I think one of my follow-up books, like someone wrote, Lundy did a great job with this he, one. And it's just like, he, I remember that. I remember seeing that review. <laughs> and we were making fun of that. <laughs> yeah. But John's a good sport. So 
his name carries a lot of weight in that genre. Yeah. Well, I, I will funny. say Brian is a great writer. And that scene, he, it hooked me. And then he named the cat Rick James. And I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I don't know who this is, but it's hilarious. So. Yeah, Rick, they, Brian gets most of the, I think you probably get most of the traffic in the story uh, uh, or most of the comments, you know, uh, I think. Especially well, I, Rick I, James. Yeah, I'll see you stopped reading reviews. <laughs> Man, I want to be loved. So I read them. I love myself. <laughs> uh, plus, you write the most books in the series, you know, so you keep it, your characters going, I, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I did kind of transition the last one, so there won't be, well, I mean, right. there, there could be, but we definitely transitioned into something different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How many total books are there now? 11, 12? Um, I had the so last I, book, right? And you're I coming wrote out four by, by myself. Okay. So salvation was the last one. You got one coming out, right? I, I just had one. That's a prosody. So there's like 10 or 11. I think there's 10 or 11 right now. Uh, yeah, or 11 it's, it's, with the prequel. So, uh, yeah. The, the prequel was fun. Remember, like, like people, some people didn't want me to do it. And then whenever I actually wrote it, they were like, this is awesome. Because the way it <laughs> kind of blends in and tells the backstory of, of all these folks. Well, it cracked me up because Brian's like, ask us, can we, can I use your characters to write the, and everybody's like, yeah. And I read what he did with my characters. It's like, dude, you nailed me. Because that character, that's the only character I've ever written. That's me. And I'm like, you nailed me, man. That's great. That's what she said. Oh, I can't, I'm going to have to that too. Well, I heard that. No, Brian. We haven't had enough drinks. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the problem with these shows. I always end up with about 15 more books that I have to read. Now. I know. I'm actually reading um, Alan's right now, and I'm enjoying it a lot. Which way? Uh, it's yeah, the basically. Operation Zulu number one. Oh, yeah. That's my yeah. baby, that one. That's what yeah. you said. And so I, I went and I started reading it, and I'm really having a good time with it. It's great. Oh, thanks. I love that book. I've got, oh, to, I've got to check out Scott's um, new book. and That's next on my list. And all of Jeff's books. But I did read Nurse Alyssa versus the Zombies, which is great. And Thank Jeff, you. I read the first book, and in the guardians of the apocalypse and it's great too so shout out to all you great writers and, and scott of course has nazi ghouls from outer space so how can you go wrong with nazi ghouls yeah from outer space <laughs> i think he's frozen nazi, nazi ghouls from outer space in antarctica the how can he hold that stare <laughs> It's it's psyops warfare. <laughs> it's his O face. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's going, oh, there he is. Now that we've been pinging on you. I heard every word. <laughs> and we meant you too. Oh, there he is again. <laughs> like six people in the house on the internet. So it's amazing I'm on this one. <laughs> Yeah. Well, just be thankful your expressions haven't been like. Da right. We got we got a lot of good people, and we're, this is I've really enjoyed doing this. 
this is my favorite part of weird realities because we do get together and talk about that weird stuff that kind of stimulates that creative juice. Um, so, but yeah, a lot of great talent on the show. It's great having you on, Brian. Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it's great having it's Scott, Finley, and Jeff, and Hadley. Yeah. It's great having you on. <laughs> and, you know, in spite, in spite of all the uh, um, arguments against these theories, um, they're perfect. They're great. I love them. Oh, yeah. Because they make, they make our job so much easier and so much richer. Well, how boring would the world be if there wasn't all this yeah. out there? Well, that, we, that's actually, we, we'd find something else. <laughs> whenever I take my kids' book to like like elementaries, I talk to kids. I, I do that a lot. I mean, pre-COVID. I haven't done it since COVID started, but I would, I would go to like elementaries. And that was kind of one of the, the talking points. How I started out, I was like, we all marched to the beat of our own drum. You know, like how boring would it be if we all did the same thing all the time? You know, and, and like typically I would like speak to fourth and fifth graders. You know, I think that really, really resonated with that age group, you know, a lot. Um, that, that's because that's when they're just starting to, to figure out who they are. Yeah, right. So. Now, that's a cool book. Tell them that. Will you tell them the name of that book? Because there's not a lot of kids, zombie kid books out there. Uh, it's right? Zombie in the Basement. So. <laughs> All right. So it's, yeah, it's, it's it's like a. A fun little story, you know, about like a, a zombie who's like the a brother, you know, to a, a regular family, you know, and they have to help help him, you know, get his <clears throat> make his way through life, you know. So don't and, eat brains. <laughs> 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 Whatever you do, don't eat brains. No brains. Uh, and the other great thing about this stuff is it 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 puts to rest, I think, that saw about how we're all in competition with each other. Which we're not. It couldn't be farther from the truth. Heck no. I look at it as more people reading is better for Absolutely. us all. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, do you do you only buy one car and, and drive it for the rest of your life? No. You're not going to buy one book and just read that one over and over and over and never read another book. Yeah, so one TV show. See, one that's why that, that Amazon also bought by or also read or similar to those, those sort yeah. of things. Those are Those are great. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can kind of link off of it and see. Well, yeah. Scott, Scott and I have both been talking for the last couple of years about doing a, a, a paranormal series set in World War II. Mm. Uh, it's, I mean, the, the basic premise is more <laughs> or less. Okay, thanks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, I, I looked, I, I was surprised I did not have a good alien t-shirt, so I'm going to have to go get one. But, uh, well, you know, World War II is always uh, a great for horror, sci-fi. It's always a fun, uh, I wish there was more of it. Oh, it's a um, perfect backdrop for almost everything. It is. Um, that one... J.J. Abrams movies that, that came out. I, I liked it, but it was hard to get over some of the glaring history points that they threw in there because that you would never have some of that that happened. Uh, you know. was, he, was he the one who did Overlord? Yeah, Overlord. That's the one I'm talking about. Oh, I, I had one with yeah. that one. But just you, some of it you can't get over because it's, it's historic. You know, the, the race thing. 
you know. Yeah, I mean, they, they had they had African American yeah in, in the airborne in charge of the airborne. It's like, yeah, and and you know, and, you know happened. Sadly, back then they were. I mean, Brian knows this better than us. They were relegated to support positions, yes, you know, sure. which just made no sense. But it was the mindset back then, yeah. you know. So that was kind of you had to get over that. Just the historical mind in the the mind in you that you know military type of thinking to really enjoy it. I thought it was fun. It was, but there's not enough of them. There's another one called Ghost uh, or these. Little squad goes to this haunted mansion. Yeah, and <clears throat> I saw one about a haunted. Um, well, it wasn't haunted, but there was like a gremlin on a plane. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. That was, that's awesome. Yeah. There's one, what was that? Oh, it's called. Uh, it's with the girl from Kick Ass. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, it wasn't historical. No, historically right either. But sometimes you just got to let that go. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's true. Well, if you're looking for a weird World War II movie, Army of Frankenstein. Yes, I've seen it. It's on my watch list, but I haven't watched the movie. It's, okay. I mean, it's bizarre beyond belief. Ooh. But it's really, it's eye-catching when you watch it. I mean, pretty much Frankenstein is creating Rus uh, German soldiers with mm. all these bizarre soldiers to fight the Soviets. And the Soviet... Uh, a Soviet platoon falls in amongst them. It's not a bad movie. It's pretty gory. It's gory, it's, and it's like off the wall, but it's fun. Yeah. Oh, no, it's a pretty good movie. I enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> well, back to Operation High Jump. Circle back. What's circle back? That? I, I've, I've left count of how many rabbit holes we've gone down now, so... Yes. <laughs> We I may like, be up for a record this time. <laughs> I would like to thank Brian for coming. I know he's got some stuff he's got to jump off and do. So, Brian, anytime you want to come back, just give me a shout out. We'll make it work. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, I got I to gotta, Operation High Jump. I got to leave. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Is you know, there but, a conspiracy involved? Well, be sure to tell everybody where they can find you online and what you're working on, uh, what your current projects are. So, um, yeah, so uh, uh, Amazon, I I could be really cool and have a link, but I don't have that. I don't <laughs> just search my name, just Brian Parker. Uh, I just finished up the the first draft of the my fourth Easy Town novels, which is kind of a, uh, a sci-fi series set about 120 years in the future. Uh, it deals a lot with like like robotic uh, droids and, and stuff like that, and kind of it's a, a blend of like futuristic like Blade Runner tech with old school or like current technology type things, you know. And there's been a, a war in China and India, so they, like it's rainy all the time in in, in New Orleans. Um, so it's kind of big climate change thing, but it's it's a it's a fun series, you know. It's, it follows a, a homicide detective as he goes through New Orleans and and uh, tries to follow. <laughs> Figure out, you know, murder, murders, and other crimes. Um, it's a good story. So. Yes, definitely hit the like and subscribe. Yes, and um, when you're ready to publish that, please come back, and we'll definitely do. Um, oh yes, a big pitch for you. And and Phalanx Press, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's yes. a Brian Parker hat. Oh, thank you, it? Brian, for the hat. Oh yeah, yeah, I forget. Yeah, that is. I did get those. Didn't I? <laughs> 
Well, guys, that's going to do it for tonight. And I hope you enjoyed our topic. Um, if you enjoy our program and haven't done so already, please hit that like button, subscribe to Weird Realities, and turn on all the notifications so you don't miss any of the content we're currently uploading monthly. And if you want to continue the conversation, just check out our Facebook page. And we've got a Facebook group as well. And that's going to be Weird Realities Podcast and Weird Realities. Until next time, guys, you want to tell everybody what you've got going on? Um, I'm just about to release the paperback edition of Apocalypse Zombie. And uh, the, the amazing Matthew Crow is getting started on the audio version of that book. And I just started uploading the, uh, the book I'm co-writing with Susan Eisenberg, uh, Written in Blood, and we're getting uploaded onto Vela, basically as we speak. Awesome. I'm working on uh, the last book in the Operation Zulu series, another uh, book for Silent Studios, if I ever get that done. Uh, I uploaded a sci-fi action horror story on Vela, and I'm trying to debate whether to put another book in the Five Roads series right now or see how it goes and how everybody else that's involved goes with it. But that, and then, like, you know, always on my street corner with that cardboard sign <laughs> and that cup, I'm going to tell you what it says. You got to look for it. <laughs> um, I'm working on the, I'm finishing up the uh, non-zombie post-apocalypse novel. Uh, working on around, uh, sorry, volume Nurses versus the Zombies, another zombie novel, uh, completely new series. And after this conversation, I'm going to jump back into a book I've been working on put aside, Operation Majestic. All I'll say is, think Raiders of the Lost Ark meets Back to the Future with aliens. Nice. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Very nice. Finley, what you got going on? Uh, I'm going to continue to be a professional female. Jeff and Alan and Hadley will get that reference. I have a lot of reading to do, y'all. I've got a long list of books because y'all keep cranking them out. I can't read them fast enough. But you never thought you'd say that. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Awesome. Nice. All right. And, um, as always, you can find us at our Linktree account. That's going to be L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E backslash weird realities with a Y because we're keeping it weird. And we will catch y'all next month for the next Weird Realities Roundtable. Again, thank you, Brian Parker, for being here. And thank you to all the great people who showed up and made this live version of our show worthwhile. We appreciate it. All right. Nice seeing you all again. Thank you. Nice meeting you, Brian. Bye, y'all. Bye. Me too. Thanks. Bye-bye.